another episode of Double Shot Connection. It's Marv here and Nath. Excited to be back for episode 16. So yeah, it's been absolutely amazing. Please, if you haven't already, follow us on Instagram at Double Shot Connect. Or if you're listening to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, give us a follow there as well. Uh, before we get started today, we one of our really good mates and fellow listener, Paddy Sloan, has been making these really awesome rings, nice rustic accessories, and he's hooked us up with a couple, engraved them with DSC. He's been playing around with that for a while now, and yeah, he's really perfected them and mastered them, and Nathan and I are very excited to both be owning one of those. Anyway, without further ado, we've got guest... Another guest this week. We went guestless last week and we got a lot of feedback that everyone was sick and tired of hearing our voices. So we thought we'd jump back on and have a very special guest. So we'll handball this one over to Nate to do the introduction. And can I just say, Marvin, I'm super excited for this guest. I know I say this every week, but I'm very excited for this one. So as you said, Marvin, without further ado, this guest, she was a junior for East Fremantle Football Club. She wears the number 18 for Collingwood Football Club in the AFL Women's League. She's a foundation player for Collingwood and played for them in their inaugural season and she's one of the youngest players to ever get drafted. I have the pleasure of introducing Ruby Slicer. Welcome to the podcast, Ruby. Thanks for having me, Phyllis. It's a pleasure to be on. Um, thanks for coming on and before we get started as well, Ruby, can I just give a shout out to the Williston Blues because... My best mate, Rick Wallace, informs me that your brother, Jake, plays for the league side. So yeah, how good's that? That's my, that's my junior footy club. So I played all my juniors uh, through there from Auskick to under-12s. And then girls weren't allowed to play with the boys anymore. And I was the only girl involved in the club then. And that, yeah, my um, brothers played, you know, Auskick to 18s and then played a bit of East Rail. And um, he's pretty happy to be back there playing Amos at Willow now. And, I know he's loving it with all the boys, having a bit of a run around down there, so it's a good club to be a part of. Yeah, that's awesome. Shout out Willow Blues. Yeah, shout out Willow Blues. Um, I know you've, uh, you're an avid listener there, Ruby. <laughs> you've, you've, you've listened to every episode. Um, to anyone new who's listening, uh, we have a segment and it's called a DSC moment. So double shot connection, double DSC. And... What a DSC moment is, it's a life-changing slash impactful moment that you've been through. Has there been, what? Well, there definitely has been, what has been your DSC moment up until now? Um, I think, like, there's the obvious ones, you know, being drafted, your debut game, that sort of thing, but um, I don't think any of that actually would have happened if it wasn't, it sounds sad, but I actually fractured my back when I was 17 twice in one year. And um, the second time that that happened, I was playing both basketball and football at the time, so I was juggling both commitments and um, both at you know the highest level that I could. So I was playing um, state level basketball, um, representing captain in WA in under 18s, and then also going and playing state football for WA as well in under 18s. So I was playing, you know, juggling that, and um, yeah, fractured my back the first time. And at the time, I was look, talking to the colleges in America and. Um, you know, that was sort of, you know, I was a mad keen basketballer and I thought that that was going to be um, my career as, you know, play basketball, take it to America, go to college for four years, you know, come back and hopefully, you know, play WNBL or something like that. Um, but, yeah, then I crashed my back the first time, had to let the colleges know that I was talking to 
Um, and they were sort of like, you know, let us know how you're going. And basketball was always, always my main sport. You know, footy was just something that I really enjoyed playing. Um, and then about six months later when I did it, like the same fracture but on the other side of my back, um, I had to obviously let the colleges know. And that would they sort of, you know, you can't take a chance on an international player for a four-year scholarship with, when they can't get their body right, you know, especially like you've had two back fractures at the age of 17, like, how much more are you really going to get out of them? So, I mean, that's probably that's such a massive moment in my career so far because that was the moment that footy probably took over because I just found that I went back and I was still playing the two after my recovery. Um, and I found it would come back, the way it felt coming back to footy was so much better than basketball. And I, th- I think it might have something to do with, um, you know, the hard court and playing defence and the short sharpness of basketball rather than football where, you know, it's, it's more long distance running and you, you're padded, like you are getting hit and it's more body contact, but you know how to protect, you, protect yourself and it's on grass rather than that hard floor. So that like that's probably the biggest moment because I think if that hadn't have happened, and it's a bit of a blessing in disguise because I'm such a homebody, like I don't know if I would have lasted in America to be honest. Um, you know, being in Melbourne, away from the family is far enough, but that's probably... One of the biggest moments because that is really when footy took over and I started to take it a bit more seriously and, you know, I don't think I would have ended up, you know, playing AFLW because I would have been over in America um, for four years. So it's um, it was a pretty, I think, pretty defining moment in my career and with my pathway that I ended up going down. Yeah, no, th- thanks for sharing that story. It's really insightful then. I think something that you mentioned is that you were 17 years old at the time and you know, facing that much adversity, especially when you said that basketball was one of your dreams, it's a lot to take in. So how did you deal with that? Oh, I think at the time it was pretty, like it was obviously devastating and um, it was frustrating getting, you know, back into basketball and not being able to perform how I could before and not be able to use my body how I used to. Like I would own it, I'd be at... Um, SBL trainings down at Willerton and I, you know, I'd come off with like a back, my back would just spasm when I came back and it did for years after, like I've only just sort of figured out how to, you know, the gotten that's strong enough and working the muscles around it but I just remember I was so, it was so infuriating because I was just so, I was really mad, like I, I didn't feel like this opportunity had been taken away from me and especially when, you know, it's, you work towards something um, like your whole life, like all through school and everything. I went to a basketball scholarship school at Willerton and that was like, you know, I should have focused more on my like academic side of things, but I literally I just didn't care really. I was just like, well, basketball's what I'm going to do. So as long as I'm doing that, I'm all sweet. So, I mean, it was a, probably a rude shock to the system and, you know, pretty devastating obviously. But, yeah, as I said, like you sort of, I could still, I could still play, I could still walk, I could still play, um, and you know, it just, it, as I said, it just sends you down a different pathway that was super unexpected, and everything sort of happened really quickly after that on the way of getting drafted. So, yeah. Yeah, that's really, that's really cool, and it's really interesting how you talk about, um, you know, in life you can have like a certain path and think certain things will go a certain way. However, just yeah, injuries or whatever can happen. Um, you made mention of it before, talking about when you were at the Willerton Blues, was it the junior club? Yeah. And you said that you're the only girl playing. I guess it might be a bit different now, but what, and it's funny because I was chatting to one of my mates today and he was saying when he played footy 
as a junior, there'd always be like a team where there'd be a girl on the other team and they'd be like, oh shit, you know, we can't tackle her or, or things like that. Is that, is that kind of what made you stop playing AFL and transition to basketball? Because you were talking about concentrating on basketball or what made you transition into, apart from the injuries, focusing on AFL? Um, well, like, for the start, like, it's, it's definitely, like, you noticed it as a kid playing. Like, I didn't feel like I was any different to any of the boys, and all those boys turned into my best mate, and I was just like there. I was like their sister running around out there, you know, which I loved. And, you know, there was, a, you know, there were a couple teams that they were probably like, you know, you have to be careful around her, but I think after, a, a, you know, the first couple of years playing, and once you got out of Oz kick, it was like, Oh, she's actually legit, and she just wants to. She wants to play footy like the rest of the boys. And it's before the you know boys have developed, but like bigger than the girls. So I was equal out there back then. Um, and then you know I didn't really get a chance. If I could have, and if the option was there for me after under twelves to continue playing footy, I absolutely would have. Like I absolutely loved the game, and I was so devastated when I had to stop. But um, the difference between like now and then is there was nothing for me to go on to. So I didn't have that choice. And as, you know, if you listen to any other AFLW player that's, you know, my age or older who's had the same experience, it's the exact same and you hear it over and over again, but it's true. We didn't have that pathway where now girls have the choice of, okay, we can, they can either choose footy or they can choose basketball. So for me, it was basketball was the obvious choice because it's all that I could do. It was the only thing that I could take further than under 12s, you know. And then, um, yeah, I think, like, it's sort of, when you look at the AFLW competition and um, now, you know, obviously the skill level, we know that the skill level isn't, you know, absolutely elite yet. And we say yet because these girls that are coming up and that will be coming up, they haven't had to stop playing. So there's, like, girls now who are in this next draft year and the year after, these are girls that have been able to play with the boys to under 12s and then they have a, they've had a girls' league to play in. So unlike, you know, myself in these first draft years, these, you know, three or four first draft years that have gone on, we all had to stop playing or have never played before. So we're girls that didn't pick up a footy for five years and then got told, oh, shit, there's actually a future for you guys. Give it a crack. So that's what, you know, we want people to understand. We know that skill level's not there, but it's going to be, and we're working really hard to get it there as well. Hi, guys. If you're enjoying the episode, check us out on Instagram at Double Shot Connect, and you can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And please feel free to check out our earlier episodes if you haven't had the chance to. Yeah, that, that's awesome that, you know, there's going to be that growth and there's going to be that transition and there's, there's well, there's already a bright future, but even, you know, five, ten years down the track, you know, we'll be able to, we'll be alive to see the success and, and see the growth of it, which is amazing. So I touched on before that you were one of Collingwood's youngest AFL draftees for the women's team. How, how did you find transitioning from Perth to Melbourne and adjusting to Melbourne life and and, because it was at such a young age as well how did you find moving away from home yeah it was it was tough um you know Lee I'm such a homebody I've got a really big family back here in Perth so um you know I was yeah 18 when I moved over and it was my choice so in the women's draft um it's not like the boys where the boys don't know where they're going to end up they sort of just get drafted to whoever and they move um, for us, we pick what state we want to be drafted to. So um, it was sort of my choice between 
uh, you know, Freo had, a, had approached me and said, you know, nominate for the WA draft and we're going to pick you up. And then um, I'd already been talking to Collingwood and I sort of, you know, I had a chat about it with mum and dad and they sort of thought, well, why not? Like, you're, you're 18. I wasn't at uni or anything at, at that stage. So what did I have to lose? Like, home's always here. Everyone's doing the same thing in Perth. Like, go over, give it a crack. So, um, yeah, when I, like, so it was my choice. So I knew what I was... Well, I sort of knew what I was getting into. Um, it wasn't like I was blindsided, like, oh, shit, I'm going to Collingwood, I have to move over east. But still, as an 18-year-old who never lived out of home, it was, you know, scary. And, like, mum came over for the first week and, um, you know, got me set up and got my room set up. And I was living with a couple of girls um, at the footy club as well. No, sorry, from the footy club. And, I mean, so it took a lot of getting used to, like, the first... The, the club always takes a piss out of me because the third, like, <laughs> month of living out of home every single night. Because I didn't know how to cook or anything. I was yeah. shocked. <laughs> I'm so bad. I'm terrible. Yeah, bad piss. I just eat the bland stuff. And I'm like, whatever. It'll do. Um, but the first six months of living out of home, I ate lemon chicken, brown rice, <laughs> and steamed bag veggies every single night. Every single night for six months. And, like, when I say, like, lemon chicken, I mean, like, just chicken with, like, lemon crust and over it. Like, that's all and nothing fancy. And then the, like, packeted brown rice and the, like, not even veggie steamed myself. I was that lazy. I literally just, the bags that you buy from wherever Woolies or Coles and stuff, that they're already pre-done, so, which are, like, kind of gross as well. But that's literally, I just had no clue. So um, that was me for the first six months. And it definitely took some getting used to and anyone that knows me and knows how um, messy my room is on the best of time, <laughs> that six months of not having mum on my ass trying to tell me to clean up my room because I'm living at home was um, a pretty messy one. But, um, you know, you get you like anything, you adjust to it. And, then, you know, it probably took me uh, a year and a half, two years to sort of like get into a groove over there and um, get really comfortable and, um, you know, have people around me that I felt really comfortable with. Um, that, as well as like on an outside football basis and I think once I had those people outside of football um, and that my life wasn't just like footy 24-7 there that's when I sort of settled in a bit more so yeah it took it takes time but it's like anything you stick at it and you get used to it yeah it sounds like lemon chicken brown rice and steamed veggies would definitely get the job done it sounds very healthy so <laughs> yeah that's it high protein yeah high protein <laughs> so since then have you worked on your cooking skills and does ruby now have a signature dish oh look i wish i could say yes i've gotten gotten a little bit better i'm still not great like i definitely wouldn't you know be going on like master chef or anything like that i'm just like i'm really happy with bland food it's really boring but like i'm I'm, can't be i make a good pumpkin soup that's there you bad. go. It's not bad. So, you know, winter in Melbourne, pumpkin soup. Except one time I almost did burn the house down because I forgot <laughs> when I started. I got caught watching Netflix in my room. So that was just disaster. But no, usually my pumpkin soup is pretty good. Um, thanks, Julie Hogues, for the recipe, Mel. <laughs> um, but otherwise, no, I just eat like, I don't know, a lot of mince and veggies. Like, a lot of really. Boring. So anyone would find a book with some taco seasoning, like, and to spice it up, you know, <laughs> to give it some sort of flavour. 
You sound very similar to my housemate, who I always rip into on these podcasts. He doesn't know how to clean dishes, clean his room, or cook. So. <laughs> See, I'm good. I'm good in communal areas. Communal areas, I'm good. So it's like it's fine. Like if you're in the kitchen, I'm pretty good. Like as soon as I've cooked, I'll clean up, whatever. But in my room, I'm like I'm happy, like sleeping on my clothes. Like that's fine. <laughs> I'm not that bad, but I just like it everywhere. So. Like, I'm bad like that. But, yeah, it's in my own space, at least. Like, I'm pretty good in the communal areas. Yeah, and you grew up, you know, playing basketball at Williston and you went to Williston High, so it sounds like you grew up as a, a Southie like I did myself. And, you know, I guess in some circles there, there is a bit of North and South divide. Is there something similar like that in Melbourne? Everyone picks on me. For starters, there's all the Victorians against me, pretty much, particularly <laughs> for the Palmer Palmy debate. We were actually, I was talking with my teammates the other night because Victorians say Palmer when they're talking about chicken Palmy, and it's clearly Palmy. So that's like you, you just get heated. I don't even want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> but oh, like there's been, I don't know, not really. I feel like Victorians are a different breed anyway, but not. Nah, not a super like divide, I don't think. I think they're, they're all a little bit more like posh over there. Like, it's all <laughs> so that like that'll even make fun of me for how I talk. Like obviously, all bold and which I'll I'll own up to. But um, so they're not quite used to it, and I'm a, yeah. Who knows? They're they're not they're a bit they're a bit precious over there. My teammates might like that, but maybe just compared to me, they're a bit precious, but. Yeah. Do they do they drink? I know Melbourne's known for their coffee. Do they, does anyone in Melbourne that you know drink full cream milk anymore, or is that? I'll be honest. I'll give them that. Though. I hated coffee before I moved over because what seventeen year old drinks or eighteen year old drinks coffee. And then um, one of my first jobs that I had to get over there was um, as a the working cafe, and my boss who you know, was at the cafe with this young bloke, also a Perth bloke, and he, every morning he was like, well, if you want to work in a cafe, you have to drink coffee. So he'd make me have, like, shots of espresso and, like, try and, and like try and guess the taste, the different tastes of, tastes of it and stuff. And then, like, after doing that, that's, like, the worst thing you can ever do. It tastes like shit. And so once you have, like, a mocha or a latte or something after that, I'm like, fuck, that's not too bad. Yeah. So, um, so now, now I'm going to it's probably not great, but I do. I'll give it to Melbourne. They do do a very nice coffee over there. Yeah, and just to just to open us us Perth people up a bit more, and for all the Melbourne listeners out there, there was a time where we didn't have Krispy Kreme, and we were bringing boxes back on the aeroplane. So oh, yeah, <laughs> whenever we go state trips, like state basketball, state footy, you can't. There's all these athletes with like the twenty-four packs of bloody Krispy Kreme. Time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good to know the athletes are doing it as well, not just the yeah. everyday folk. <laughs> yeah, so going back to your playing, uh, round one against Carlton, the inaugural game against thousands of people at Icon Park, describe the feeling and how it felt for you to run out onto the ground and I guess you're making history. Like, how, how did that feel for you? Well, it was crazy. It was so surreal. Like, it was, yeah, it was unbelievable. And I was really fortunate. I, I didn't, 
I honestly didn't think I had a chance to debut, like being um, the youngest draftee, you know, the youngest in the team and in the squad, I just didn't think that I was going to get a game. So, um, you know, when I got the call, the, the coach said I was debuting, I ran down straight away, we were both crying, you know, and, um, and I was really fortunate that, like, I had 17 of my family and friends flew over to come watch me play. So, um, you know, I thought it was just going to be mum and dad at a nan over. Um, but they ended up, my, you know, five of my best mates surprising me over there and, um, you know, my auntie and cousins and all that. So it was so good then to have those people around me as well and for them to share that experience with me. Um, but, yeah, it was really it was such a surreal feeling because, you know, we, we didn't know who we thought maybe, you know, 10,000 10, people, you know, might rock up. We had no idea. And when we rocked up, obviously, you know, pre-game, the stadium's empty. It's just you and... Then we were inside the rooms for the rest of the time. So when we came out for that first warm-up, it was sort of it was filling up. We were like, shit, there's a few people coming. Like, we thought, shit, this could be big. And then, you know, we didn't see again until we ran out through the banner. And it was it was seriously chills. And, like, you could probably tell on some of the faces, the faces of the girls running out. Like, you just, we couldn't believe it. And standing there for the national anthem, it was just like, it's like nothing. It took, like, took your breath away. Um, and then even, like, oh, we got spanked in that game. We were at a couple of places <laughs> years ago, one, unfortunately. Um, but, like, in that game in particular, like, it was it was hard to be disappointed because we were just so, you know, it was just such, like, a groundbreaking day for, like, women's sport and, like, women's football, for that to be the first game and to have that turnout and, you know, see, like, Mum always says, like, to see little girls down the sideline with face paint on, mum gets teary and I mean, mum's a wuss with that stuff but like, <laughs> it's just so good because like you know it's always been you know boys and a few girls been there to support but to see all these you know young girls down there that can now have idols to look up to um it was just really surreal so yeah it was, it was hard to be disappointed after that game because you know yes we lost but we were like fuck this is what we, we have in store for us and this is what we're building so it was, it was a really proud moment to be a part of that as well yeah, exactly. Yeah, it'd be an amazing experience. And you're talking about those little girls who have, you know, idols to look up to. Is there someone that you've spoken a bit about your family and whatnot? Is there someone that really inspires you, whether that be an athlete or a family member uh, or something like that? Yeah, a lot of my, well, like being on like a, in a sporting way, being a basketballer turned footballer, like Erin Phillips is the obvious one. She's the best to do the whole basketball football thing. Um, so she's like my, you know, in a sporting way, I look up to her um, massively. Um, but just in life, um, my, like I look up to all my family. We're, we're all really close, you know, my mum and dad. I, I, like, I take things from both of them um, and try and add them into my life and how I go about things. Um, you know, dad's always, you know, really been a massive um, supporter for me in sport, like as as mum, but um, dad's more into, you know, the coaching side of sport as well. So he's always been, you know, my harshest critic, but I've always valued his opinion the most because I know he's always very honest with me. Um, and mum's always been my emotional, um, my, you know, emotional, what do you call it? Someone's always been there for me emotionally. Emotional um, support. Yeah, support. Yeah. Emotional support. Yeah. Should have 
focused on that academics in school. <laughs> Don't worry, we both didn't do too yeah. well in either. <laughs> but yeah, mum's always been that emotional support for me, so I've had a really good balance between the two. Um, but then pro- probably my nan, um, Jan Ann, we call her, she's a bit of an icon around the south, south suburbs of Perth. Um, but she, you know, just how she goes about life, and she's a really positive uh, person, and anyone that meets her absolutely adores her. So, you know, I, I take a bit of, you know, a bit from everyone, of, like everyone that I love, and try and bring it into my life as much as possible. Yeah, awesome. I'm sorry to be controversial. I know you're both from south of the river, but surely north of the river, better beaches, better food. Well, we, we park grew up, we sort of, we're in Willington, but we uh, grew up in a caravan up in Lancelot, which is obviously like... Pretty north. <laughs> That's <laughs> very north. We're out back in the day, but um, so we, we have the caravan there growing up, so we, we did spend a lot of time north, just not north, city north. I wouldn't be... I want to be seen around that parts too often. Yeah. <laughs> what beaches are there south of the river? Can I just oh, ask South, south Beach, Coogee, you know, there's yeah, some good beaches yeah. there. Yeah. So talking about inspiration, Ruby, I had a look at some of your uh, media skills uh, when you did that Collingwood TV segment and you went around and interviewed all the girls and I've also seen a video of you doing some some TikToks. <laughs> so, no, actually, look, I, I am not going to give you shit for this, actually. I actually thought that you present well, you've got a lot of charisma in front of the camera and you just seem very natural. So I was actually interested to know, I guess, life after football. Do you see yourself in, in media? Yeah, so it's funny. So, um, the footy club were really um, you know, the first three years at Collingwood, I was playing and having to work. You know, obviously we're not we're not on that much money, so I was having to work full time to you know pay rent and stuff over there. Um, and then the footy club were really good at a time when I was really homesick and um, was really considering like getting traded to a WA club because I just didn't you know didn't think I could keep it up. Um, the footy club offered me. Uh, job in the media and marketing department <laughs> like they knew that that was I've always been interested in the media side of things and presenting and stuff like that um, so yeah the footy club were awesome like that so um, five months of the year I work in there it's just a five month contract with their digital media and marketing and um, yeah I've learnt so much doing that and I'll do that when I go back again next year um, but yeah I'm not like if, if things arise, like, I absolutely love it and I love the opportunity and I was sort of tossing up, okay, do I, you know, do I go to um, uni for sports media or something like that? Um, but then I was sort of like, you know, I've always been interested in primary teaching as well, which is what I'm studying at uni now. Um, and I sort of thought, like, eventually I see myself moving back to Perth, whether that's after, you know, whether that's when I'm 30 and... I'm out of contract with Collingwood, where, you know, whenever that is, whether it's in five years' time, two years' time, like, who knows, um, I'll, or I'll see myself in Perth, like, to have a family and stuff like that, like, I can't see myself staying in Victoria forever, so, and I sort of thought about it, and I was like, well, a lot of people in Perth go to uni for media and stuff to move to Melbourne or to Sydney pursue it because there's not a lot of opportunity in WA for that unfortunately and they've got their you know select few that they stick with so I mean if, like if little things come up like 
absolutely. And I'd love to get myself out there and try to get involved in that as much as I can, which I've done a bit of stuff for them, like, um, for the moment, which has been really fun, like a couple of sports bet, sport bet, sports bet podcasts and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I'd, you know, I'd, I'm pretty happy with um, the decision for primary teaching. And, you know, I love kids as well and hopefully end up being like a phys ed teacher. So... Cool. So now it is time to stitch you up. So if anyone hasn't seen the video, <laughs> go and check out Ruby's TikTok video. I reckon you have some pretty mad dance skills. <laughs> I, I'm sure when you first turn. <laughs> As I said, to your credit, you had good dance schools, so I'm sure when you freshly turned 18 and you hit up the nightclubs, you were, not, you were absolutely tearing up the dance floor. <laughs> it sounds like you give Nath a few tips. Uh, his dancing's not so good. He's Questionable. <laughs> he's, um... Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> Well, 1.5 metres, guys, make sure you're social distancing. And, um, yeah, he's trying to give the media. He's applied for a few of the reality TV shows next year. So he's on Big Brother Amazing Race. So if he gets in, you'll have to, you'll have to give him a call and give him some tips and um, how to go. Appreciate it. Um, Rubes, you've chatted about when you first moved to Melbourne, how you had to hold down a full-time job whilst playing uh, footy there's obviously you know a bit of attention around it what are your thoughts on certain aspects of um, AFLW compared to the men's league so on things such as remuneration number of rounds and the media attention yeah so like it's something that we um, you know we've got the AFLPA behind us which they work really hard for us and uh, we in each club we, we have two AFLPA delegates so um, they basically, they're the voice for each team. Um, so, you know, it's obvious, you know, we want a long season. We love to have a long season. But at the moment, you do have to think about, okay, we also don't make the AFL enough money yet. So, you know, for them, it's not, a, it, you don't pay for tickets to go watch footy games or anything like that. So it's a, a lot of the income is coming in, in off um you know, TV rights and stuff like that and sponsorships with them. Um, you know, I think that's a massive reason why um, a lot of the teams, you know, want a women's team now and obviously to get, you know, get on board and support women's football and stuff. And um, But also because, you know, AFL clubs have realised, well, shit, we can get sponsorships year-round now, uh, you know, with the women playing in the summer and then the men playing in the winter. Um, you know, with, with, with the money, we... You know, I think to start off with, we didn't expect a lot to start with, you know. Like, I moved over there on eight grand. So, like, I was offered an eight grand contract, and as most of the girls were, and, um, you know, moved over there for that. Um, it's, you know, it's a very different system to the men's, and, um, you know, we don't expect, you know, as much as what the boys get or anything like that, but if we can work towards it and, you know, build something for these younger girls, you know, like while I'm still playing, if I have another 10 years, you know, if I play till I'm, you know, or maybe another eight years, if I play till I'm 30, um, you know, I probably still 
won't, we might not be anywhere near what you know the boys are doing, but hopefully we would have worked towards it and um, built the built the base for it so that these young girls coming through can it can be a bit easier for them, even in the way of you know like. Like it probably would have been so much better for me as an 18-year-old moving across if I had a host family to move into, which is what all of the Drive D boys get. You know, they get offered that or they get to live with a teammate. So for me as an 18-year-old who's moving across the, you know, across the country on eight grand, it probably would have been ideal to have, you know, a, a host family to move into to make it an easier move. So, you know, if we can get those sort of things in place just to make little things easier... Um, I think it'll go a long way and, you know, in a way of skills and stuff, as I said, you know, we know that, you know, and it's not for everyone, we, we, you know, we don't mind if you don't like it, just don't be one of those dickheads that sits on their keyboard and abuses us for giving it a crap, you know, so, yeah, we'll get there, it might not be while I'm playing or in 20 years time, but, um, you know, at least we're building something and we're building towards it. Yeah, really interesting insights there and, I think something that I just want to say because I guess I feel passionate saying it is that I know that you know maybe the money's not in it there at the moment or the skill level is in it there but I've watched a few AFLW games at Freo Oval and what I can say is that you guys still put your body on the line though so to me if you're putting your body on the line you still should be you know compensated for that if that makes sense so oh, I just feel really passionate about that but I guess yeah, everyone has their own opinions. Yeah, if, if you've watched, you know, if you watched it in year one, and which, you know, it would be probably would, would have been pretty hard to watch in year one. There were, were girls who hadn't picked up a footy in ages and been thrown into this league. Um, so it would have been pretty hard to watch. But if you look at the difference, if you go back and watch a game from year one into the season just gone, um, it's a pretty massive difference. Like the skill level is going up every year and even just we're hitting each other harder because we're in elite facilities where we have a gym and we have people watching us do the gym which is never like i've never had that even when i was playing state basketball and stuff like that i, never, I didn't know how to gym i've only learned how to gym. <laughs> like i've just been like oh just rock up and play like there's so much more to it and that's what you know our bodies are getting used to so we're building this muscle that we've never had before and uh, you know, we're evolving, our bodies are evolving and we're turning ourselves into athletes now rather than just girls kicking a footy. So, um, you know, it, the skill level, you know, this last season and I've had people say to me, like, shit, this last season has been so much better. And, like, my guy mates who, you know, wouldn't watch a lot, would only watch women's footy because of me, they came down and watched our game at, um, where it was Collingwood versus Frio, um, at Frio Oval, and they were like, it is so much harder hitting in person and mm. like it's so much quicker in person than it looks on tv so which just like yeah i just encourage people to where if you can you know get down and watch a game because it really is like you don't realize and you hear like the cracks and you know the hits that we do out there and it is it does it's a shitload faster in person than it, it looks on tv for sure yeah and you say you know getting more eyes onto it something that i'd just sort of noticed as well is uh, you know, I check the AFL website a fair bit because I love my footy. Is that you know, I I realise that well, I mean Marvin's birthday yesterday, and coincidentally that <laughs> big two seven, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, the twelfth of August was um, when the AFLW trade period finished, and I was like, well, hang on a second, because I I watch Fox Sports News on Foxtel a fair bit as well, and I was like, 
I never really saw much coverage of that on there. And you say with the men's, this is like so much trade radio news, so much trade news and stuff. Do you think, and I guess moving forward, I guess as, I don't know, things progress, would it, would it be good to see more of that coverage on in media as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like even when it is peak our season, you're seeing more of what, uh, more of the boys and even though they haven't started yet, you're seeing more about, you know, the JLT series or whatever it's called, the NAMS series, I don't know what they call it now, it changes every bloody year. But you're seeing more about that than you are about our actual main season. So that's something that we definitely try and push and that we're trying to put pressure on, um, you know, the marketing and the AFL and stuff to get us out there because the game's not going to grow unless we have exposure. So um, it's definitely something and, you know, that's why if you follow any AFLW players on Instagram, a lot of it is up to us. You know, we'll, we'll post before every game saying, get down here, we'll give time and location because some, sometimes the media won't do it for us or it's very bare minimum. So, um, you know, a lot of the time it is up to us and we might bombard your feeds during the, the season, but, you know, we're doing what we got to do at the moment. So, it, yeah, it is pretty, like, disappointing when you, you know, when you don't see a lot of it and, you know, when you're a couple of weeks or you see the first ad, you know, maybe two weeks out of the season, like, I think we need a bit more exposure than that so to, you know, make people aware. But... Um, again, you know, hopefully that's something that comes and we'll just keep bombarding the feeds until it does come. Yeah, for sure. And we're uh, no strange to some bombarding feeds. <laughs> we started the podcast and we uh, have appeared a few, on a few Insta stories and bombarding everyone. Plenty, um, plenty of posts. Plenty of posts. Exactly. And I'll um I'll admit I'm guilty of also having a bit of a stalk on you and uh, went right. went back on the uh, Instagram feed. Uh, or Instagram post and saw that oh, this is a bit more of a positive one that you went up to Tennant Creek in the NT and yeah that's just really that I just saw that picture and it really like stood out for me what was that experience like and yeah would you go back up there oh 100% that was seriously one of the best experiences I'm so grateful for Collingwood and um, for giving me that experience. Um, so, yeah, they basically put it to us girls. They said, you know, we've got three spots and um, the boys do that there. One, Tennant Creek is one of our development zones. So we're Collingwood affiliate, like Collingwood, each AFL club have their zone. So I think it's like, uh, is it Essendon or Richmond have, you know, Tiwi Islands and stuff like that. And it's basically for us and we can help grow that, um, that community and, um, offer them support and stuff like that. So Tent Creek is our zone, and um, yeah, they, the club put it to us and said, you know, we've got three spots. We're going to run for the first time ever a all female um, football clinic. Um, for you know, I think we had three. We had a week there, and three days was at the high school, and then we had a day at the private school as well. So um, yeah, it was that was again a pretty massive moment. I think um, the last you know however many years they've been involved. If they've only ever had the boys going up there, you know, once or twice a year they get to go up there um, and, you know, run the clinic for the boys. But this is the first time that it's been the girls have been pulled out of class. And um, a, massive, a massive part of it is um, trying to get kids to go to school up there as well. So, um, you know, there was something ridiculous. There was some outrageous number. Um, the you meant, like, I couldn't even ballpark it, but it was a shitload more kids would come to school when... You, when they had people there doing a footy clinic or something like that. So um, rather than say, say there was probably 10 kids in a class, 
rather than two kids in the class, you know, come to school, there was eight kids coming for a footy company, you know. So it really, it was increasing that in school attendance, which is, you know, was a main aim for it and, um, you know, trying to promote, you know, healthy eating and um, school attendance and, um, you know, general hygiene and stuff, which, like, is often lacking in those communities. So, and, like, that awareness about it. So um, that was our main role uh, up there was to encourage the kids and make them realise that they have pathways if they want it. Um, and it was just it was just amazing, like, talking to some of the young girls, um, hearing some of their stories, um, you know, they, and, you know, hearing them say, well, like, no, they're idle now and they want to be like you and when they grow up. It's just like... That's awesome. Like one of the ones that really stuck with me was um, this young girl who she said, you know, she had a pretty rough upbringing and um, she said she wants to be a lawyer and she wants to play football like myself and Chloe Malloy, who's another teammate that was up there. Um, and she said, seriously, goes, yep, I'm going to go to school. I want to be a lawyer and I want to play professional football. So for girls, you know, from Tennant Creek and from all over the place, especially in Northern Territory, um, where, you know, their opportunities, you know, aren't quite as big at the moment. Um, it's so good to hear that, um, that they have those, you know, dreams and um, they aspire to do those things. Oh, that sounds like really inspirational stuff. And it's a cool feeling that, you know, you had that impact on young people. So that, that brings me, that kind of gave me the idea for this question just then was, you've you've had a fair bit of experience you know you've grown up playing sports and you've overcome things you've moved city and things like that what are some of ruby's top tips for young girls growing up who aspire to play afl what's some advice you'd give them give it a crack like even if you know you don't like the, the, even now the amount of young girls who come to me and said you know I want to play, you know, I want to play, but I don't know where to go, what footy club to go to, I can't kick a footy, like, oh, I'm going to be the worst in the team. Go down and give it a crack because there's so many girls in the exact same position as you, you know, like the amount that, you know, that uh, female football has grown in the last three years, like the numbers are ridiculous. Like even down at, you know, good old Willow Blues, like we've been talking about, they had, this is their first year of having an all-female team. And they have to have a second team next year because they've got so many girls coming down. There's something like 10 girls missing out each week on a game, so which is awesome. Like, for a first-year um, first year team, they have to have two teams next year. It's unbelievable. So there's so many girls in the exact same position. And um, not to listen to you kids, but I'd like, you know, say it a lot nicer on any other platform. You're always going to have people telling you that you can't do it or that you're... You know that you like odds are stacked up against you, but you know there's pathways now and there's help all around you, and um, someone's done it for you. So you know you you can follow in their footsteps and um, you know create create your own dream as well. And do you know what I like about this advice, Ruby, is that it can also apply to anyone. So that oh, that's great. Yeah, exactly. And there's lots of people out there who are. Always, yeah, as you made mention before, keyboard warriors or people who hide behind a screen. And I think yeah. at the end of the day, not very nice and they've got their own things to work <laughs> on. But it's really good to have, yeah, that positive message. And it's really cool that you're inspiring, I'd say, both males and females um, with the path you're going on. And you're setting a very important platform and pillar. And, yeah, you're shaping future generations um, of young women and young men to pursue their dreams so that's really really cool yeah so yeah, well, that's, that's the aim and i mean even if we if we can change one 
man's, you know, perception of female footy and then they go, then they have a daughter and they go, oh, shit, you can play. Like, then we've done our job, you know. If we, if there's one male who, you know, can't stand female footy or can't, you know, will write a bad thing about it, I hope they have a daughter and I hope their daughter is a man, mad keen football fan and wants to play and then they can change that opinion as well. So, you know, I think it's, um, you know, the... The world in general and Australia, uh, you know, we've got a long way to go in the way of acceptance and, um, you know, encourage us, you know, empowering people. Um, but, you know, we're, we're going to we're gonna get there. Exactly. And it'd be cool. There's father and son. Hopefully one day there'll be mother and daughter. Yeah. Oh, that'd so be like so shows. cool. That'd, that'd be, be amazing. Cool. Or even mother and son. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool. <laughs> Yeah, so look, Ruby, thanks so much for coming on and having chats with us. We've really, we've really appreciated how you know openly and honestly you've spoken with us and that's what we're all about on this podcast, just having a conversation, getting it going and talking about anything. So once again, thank you so much for your time. It's very much appreciated and we hope you enjoyed coming on Double Shot Connection podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having us. And, you know, I'll, I'll keep listening. <laughs> no pressure. <Yeah. laughs> no, you're a lot of pressure. <laughs> and, yeah, thank you very much, uh, yeah, for um, yeah, appearing on the podcast. And for people listening, the three, the three of us had to endure some technical difficulties, so I really appreciate your patience. And it goes to show the character of the uh, person you are. So thanks, Ruth. <laughs> uh, thanks, guys. Pleasure. Yeah, awesome. and if you're not following us on Instagram, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please do Double Shot Connect, episode 16. Hope you enjoyed and we'll see you at episode 17.